Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Welcome friends to Working in Yoga, and this conversation is a long one, and I honestly don't want you to miss a minute of it. So my intro for this podcast, an end of the year wrap up with my friend Shannon Crow is going to be real quick today. I do want to point out one thing at about minute 24, we have a surprise guest pop on and answer one of the questions that I pose in our podcast. Shannon made that happen and I am so grateful that she did because it's really incredible. Okay, so without any further ado, here is my interview with Shannon Crow. Welcome friends to Working in Yoga. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited today because mostly I just get to sit and talk with my lovely friend Shannon Crow. (laughs) Shannon and I were talking before I hit record and I was like, we're just going to start right here. The name of this podcast, because I invited Shannon on the podcast to do an episode about the yoga industry and what has happened in yoga in 2022. And we've decided to call it what the hell? We're still here. <laughs> For some reason, we're still in this industry. And it is hard. It has been hard for us. I think the past two, three years have been a challenge for everybody. And yet we're still here. Why are we here, Shannon? <laughs> <laughs> what a great question. I feel like that is a very loaded question. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, like, thanks for inviting me to talk about this. And as I was saying, like, I feel like I'm going to be asking you the questions, like what is happening, but I love this question of why are we still here? And in the last three or four weeks, or maybe three or four months, I've really had to remind myself I'm still here because yoga has made a tremendous impact in my life. And then also in other people's lives. And I'm still here Mm -hmm like hosting a podcast for yoga teachers, because I, I really do believe that it has tremendous benefits, but I've had to remind myself of all of these benefits and like, go back to that. You know, you were saying Rebecca, that someone left you a note and you're like, this is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm teaching. I have to go back to those notes so that it can hold me through on the moments where I'm like, what is happening to the yoga industry right now? Yeah, I think we don't talk about those moments enough. And then like, as you and I were talking just before I hit record, and I'm going, you know, I walked into my business last week, and I was like, screw this. I hate this. I'm quitting. I'm gonna get a real job, quote unquote, real job, (laughs) where somebody else pays me money, and I don't have to figure out all this bullshit from the industry. 
and I walk into my studio, my studio, and there is this card that is just so beautiful and moving about how much they appreciate the studio and how much they appreciate the work they do. And I went, well, damn it. Now I can't quit. (laughs) (laughs) But then I thought like, at some point we have to talk about the fact, like, is that a trauma response that we just keep coming back? Because I too have had such benefit from my yoga practice over the last 20 years and teaching yoga has been my life since I was in my late 20s. I'm now in my early to mid 40s. Like, and I keep coming back and I want, yeah, I think that's worth saying. Like for all those of you out there who are, who have had a hard year in 2022, and I think we need to acknowledge this has been another hard year for us, for our industry. Like you're not alone. So true. You are not alone. And you and I both talk to a lot of yoga teachers and studios and, you know, we talk to the ones that are shutting down or everything's blowing up or there's yet another yoga scandal in the world. (laughs) And and it gets to be a little disheartening. Or let's say you're the teacher who you know the yoga that you're teaching is making it more accessible. You're looking at how can I make this available to more people and and then the yoga the yoga studio down the street, you look at them and you're thinking like, oh, I don't want to be lumped in with that for whatever reason. Your values just are not aligned. Yeah. I think that's something worth talking about as well. Like, yeah, what it feels like for for the yoga teacher, because I hear a lot of yoga teachers say, I feel so isolated in this profession. I honestly, I'm going to own my stuff here. And I have... Um... Actually, my friend Tanya, who is also a yoga teacher, came on the podcast and she and I talked about this idea of how within our industry, it's sort of an us versus them mentality. There's sort of those of us who are more, and I don't like to use this word, but you're going to understand what I'm saying, like traditional. We're traditionalists. We like to honor the tradition of yoga. I do believe we all should be doing that. But then there's also those folks who are way more into the fitness and exercise side of things, right? And Tanya said something and she said, remember those people in the fitness side of things, the side that I'm not in, they plant seeds that we get to harvest. It's very true. And I went, oh yeah, we aren't all at each other's throats. Like I like to think, like I like to have an enemy. I think it's a pretty human thing. Like we, we like to have the bad guy in the story mm-hmm. so that we can feel like we're the good guys. And that's something that I've tried to kind of reconcile with this year, this idea that there are no bad guys in our industry. They're just all of us trying to figure out how to make this work in an industry that has literally no guidelines, standards, or regulations, or anyone leading it. Yeah. Well, you opened my eyes to this on my podcast when you came in and chatted about the business of yoga, and you were talking about like goat yoga and how we can really put some... Um, judgments around different types of yoga and really harsh. And those people are also running the business. So I like this added layer of these seeds are planted and we harvest it. It's very true. Um, This is something that I come back to all the time because I feel like I I feel pretty strongly about certain things in the yoga, what I see in the yoga world. Like I don't want people being told you have to be thinner or you have to eat this certain kind of food or you need to 
um, do an hour of yoga every day, or, or you have to pay this really expensive amount to be doing yoga or these really expensive leggings, like those things can add up on the tough weeks where I think this, this isn't what I, I don't want to be a part of that side of things, but I'm, I'm glad that you said, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about like, how do you, how do you reconcile that? Do you ever feel like, oh yeah, you know, the stretchy pants and the get fit yoga. Yeah. I'm okay with that. And the diet culture coming in, what do you do on those tough weeks? I think it's hard. I feel like diet culture, especially, and you talked about diet culture earlier. I have noticed diet culture more this year than almost any other that I've been working in the industry. And it feels so prevalent. And part of that, I think, is because we're not breaking down how we are selling what we're selling. And we know that diet culture sells. And so when you slap diet culture on yoga, which in itself is a difficult modality to sell, but you add diet culture in there, you add, you know, wellness nonsense in there that's unfounded and i i feel strongly enough about this this is actually in my manual in my studio like when you come to work for me it is there's a clause in there that says you cannot give nutrition or medical advice unless you are licensed to do so because people add that nonsense all the time and do you feel like it's worse this year <laughs> Well, I do, but I don't know if it's just that I'm like, I want to say that I did not know myself the harm that could be caused from this. And I talk about it on the podcast and I saw a friend almost die. Like I saw the harm that can happen when diet culture really takes over. And so I don't know if I'm just more sensitive to it. And I, and I also feel like, did these people not get the memo? We're not shaming people for the size of their body or what they eat. We're not giving food advice. I love that you have that in your studio and that it's very clear from the beginning. I don't know. Is it worse this year? That's a great question. I I have seen a lot of it, but then the other part is, is the more we talk about it on the podcast or I talk about it in my content, the more people will send me something. Oh yeah. Which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah. They're like, look at this. And then I think oh, I'm just kind of spinning and what is this doing? Um, and what can be done about it? Like how can yeah. we not just call someone out, but like call them in? Cause as I said, I was learning at one point, I was saying words that were that were steeped in diet culture. Yep. I still Same. I still have learning to do. And so I don't want to be pointing fingers at people. I want to be like, let's all like make our profession better by, by learning this stuff. I sometimes wonder if COVID has shifted our thinking about this a little bit. Cause I do think in this now, I don't want to say post COVID because COVID is still very much a thing that is happening and who knows what's going to happen this winter. But in this in this world that we live in where COVID isn't so much in the forefront of our thinking all the time, we've sold wellness in a different way. We've sold the idea of what it is to be well and healthy in a different way because for, I think, you know, a year to a year and a half, we were all just so staggeringly worried about being sick. Mm-hmm. So you think that maybe COVID in general made people more aware or 
made it easier to market like diet culture? I do. I think because diet culture can be linked to what you would call wellness and the overall wellness industry is now, and I, I, just was lucky enough to write an article for authority magazine uh, last month talking about ways we can shift the wellness industry because on in 2023 i think the stat they told me was a 1.2 trillion with a t dollar industry is what wellness is going to be and that's you know yoga is under that wellness umbrella yeah and i do think there's just this idea that we have to keep ourselves well and we're going to keep ourselves well through oftentimes extreme fitness and extreme diet restriction or nutritional restriction and that's going to keep us quote unquote well and there are a lot of people online specifically you know TikTok, instagram who are trying to tell us that we need to do everything we can to be well based on standard i mean like what is what does it mean to be well like yeah you we know, should you be can... that worried about our nervous system. <laughs> right. Yes. Which yoga is really good at. Yes. <laughs> That's what yoga teachers can focus on. People need it right now. Yeah. Uh, I just went to help my daughter get her passport. And we live in a very small city. Like there's like 20,000, just a little over 20,000 people in our little city. And we went into the office and there's a security guard there. And there were literally like two people in line, not even really in line because there's two people working. And I just said, wow, do people get really wound up? Like there's a security guard here. That's not something we would normally see. And they said, yes, this since COVID, like yep. just two weeks ago, somebody tried to throw a chair through this glass at our, <laughs> at Service Canada. And I was like, holy. And he said, he told me, he's like, people are really on edge. Like it doesn't take much to make them tip over. And that's where I was in the back of my brain thinking. Yeah, we need, we all, I don't want to say other people, me as well, could benefit from a little more down regulation of that nervous system, which you said yoga is great for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what we're really, really good at. Maybe that's something that I want us to come out of 2022 realizing like the real benefit of yoga, if we're talking Western scientific benefit is nervous system regulation like let's talk way more about that than about yes whether or not you can go into you know say a room that's heated to whatever degrees and you can move your body and you can sweat and whatever toxins nonsense or whatever you're going to tell people like what about your nervous system that's the part that's telling people to make good decisions If there's one action item, if people are listening and they're like, okay, these two are talking lots about what's happening in yoga, I would say that's it. Like, could you focus for a whole year talking about the, even how the nervous system works, like simplify it, you know, keep talking about it, keep talking about how yoga impacts the nervous system. I think you're right. We don't, I talk to people who have never done yoga and they always ask me questions about it and they're, and Let's say they say, oh, I have such high anxiety. Like, how would yoga help me with my my anxiety? And you give this very basic, like when you're just talking to a friend, you're not, you're not giving a lecture. You're not leading a yoga teacher training, just talking to them about how the nervous system works, you know, what puts us in that fight or flight, you know, that rest and digest what, yeah focus on those benefits for sure oh my gosh how would it be if we could like make let's do a challenge wand 
Yeah. And everyone <laughs> yeah. stops talking about like body size and food and instead starts talking about the nervous system. Oh, what yeah. if we all got as nerdy about the nervous system in 2023 as we were about how your body moves and functional movement in 2018? Oh my like, do you gosh, remember yes. that phase? Like <laughs> yep. 2017, 2018, where we were all talking about like, you know, carrying angles and all kinds of like wild, like, you know, essentially Feldenkrais made this big movement into the yoga industry and how we moved and functional movement. There's still teachers who teach that way. That's like 100%. their thing. Yeah. Um, what if we all got as nerdy about the nervous system? in 2023 as we were about that in 2017 2018 that'd be so you cool know what? that would help us all feel like okay i can stay here a little bit longer yes okay yeah. that's our challenge the podcast isn't ending but if you're listening and you've made it 20 minutes in <laughs> here's what we want you to do we want you to get super nerdy about the nervous system do you know teachers who teach that style of yoga, I, Christine Weber, subtle yoga is the person that I'm thinking of. Um, we had Diane Liska on the podcast who okay. nerds out about the brain so much. She's a psychotherapist who does trauma informed yoga. Yeah, that like, I feel like. And the nervous system, like there's so much more that we don't know, like we have a little bit of information on it, but there's a lot more that we could learn about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so in the in the show notes, make sure you go down. I'll have a whole list of teachers who are talking about the nervous system in there because yoga therapy is littered with those humans. We're talking about the nervous system all the time in yoga therapy. I will link the websites of a lot of really great yoga teachers talking nervous system down regulation because it's the best. It is. Like we did an episode on bowel health with Michelle Lyons, who's a pelvic health yeah. PT who does yoga. And it was all like, if you want a healthy bowel and like digestive system, you have to talk about the nervous system. It's like oh. your best defense for your bowel health. Yeah. It, it impacts every single cell of your body. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So speaking of how they're going to get a hold of those teachers, Likely, the, I know, for example, Christine is still teaching virtually. I don't know if Diane is teaching virtually. How do you think virtual is going in the industry? 2021, we were all virtual all the time. That was, if you were relevant in 2021, you had a virtual offering. Then come March 2022, we started talking about what in-person looked like again. Now, what do you think 2023 is going to be like? That's a great question. I think that like for sure your community classes are moving back. I know some teachers who have, you know, yoga students who are, have immune system uh, considerations. And even those ones are starting to move back in person with lots of safeties in place. Like, Hey, if you feel like you are getting a cold at all, you're not coming to class or whatever makes that group feel safe in that environment and making choices like still doing, you know, this week, this day is going to be virtual and this will be in person for sure. That's happening. So I would say community classes where you can travel, you know, to your local class. From what I'm seeing, I'm seeing that more in person, but definitely there's still a huge offering online. And then in terms of traveling to something like retreats, workshops, conferences, I, 
what I've seen this year in 2022 is more of a hesitation, more of a hesitation, just even some virtual things to sign up for things, whether it's also, you know, I don't know if we're technically in a recession, both in Canada and the U S I think we're there. Maybe we can't call it that yet. Um, but I do think that that is holding some people back from traveling. When I talk to yoga teachers or people who are organizing events, I see that. What do you think in terms of community classes? So I'm for sure seeing in my local community that there is a lot of comfort for people to come back into spaces, especially spaces that have always been cognizant of health risks and smart about making sure that, you know, things are being wiped down and we're all clean and nobody comes if they're sick. Like, I don't see any hesitation in my local community. And I'm seeing that bounce back amongst other yoga studio owners that I know that people are back. Um, Now, again, I'm admittedly in the US and in a state where the regulations were very, very minimal. Like we closed down for two months in 2020 and that is it like we were allowed to be open all the rest of the time no matter what happened so we definitely there's there's a culture here of more easing back into regular life sooner so we definitely see people out and about all the time travel i see people hungry for vacations Mm -hmm. for sure I don't know if they're hungry for learning travel, like, you know, when you used to travel, but you would also go to like, learn yoga at the same time. I think people are tired still. And I'm going to run a virtual retreat at the end of January 2023. So we'll see how virtual retreats go. It'll be interesting to see if we still have zoom fatigue, if we've still got people who want to come and connect in that way. I mean, I still think the neatest thing about 2020 is that you could press, you know, play or you could sign up for a Zoom link and have teachers who you could have never afforded to even learn from in person. All of a sudden they're there on your screen. Like, that's cool as hell. I don't want yes. that to go away. <laughs> Me neither. I I had some students request a Yoga for Pelvic Health series, which I normally taught in my small community. And I almost thought about putting it back in person, but then there were people online as well saying like, oh, I'd love to take a class and really see what it's like. And so I offered it online, 74 people signed up. I would never get that in my community. One, I wouldn't even want to house a class of 74 people, Um, but because it was virtual, we could do that. And people were super engaged. And I mean, people who live not very far from my house who could find another yoga teacher in their area but loved the option of doing it virtual, being at their house, having the replay. I think it's, I think it's definitely here to stay for sure. I don't see it going away. And there were teachers who I know were just like, I'm going to ride this out. I'm not teaching online. Yep. I run in-person classes and they're doing well again too. So I think, I think it makes a little more space for people, you know? Yeah. I also feel like it, offers the opportunity for yoga teachers to build their businesses in more than one way, which is super cool because our industry is notoriously incredibly competitive and very, you know, like you have to know the right people in order to get the right job to be at the right space. And you're going to swallow all the nastiness from that space because you want the job at the place. And 
And like, there's less of that now. I think as a studio owner, we will be called to treat our employees with way more respect and to be, to show up as true nurturing employers, because otherwise people are just going to go online. We're going I see that for sure that some studio owners have nobody to teach for them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think studios really, um, studios and teachers, you know, if people were kind of sitting on the fence, like, Oh gosh, is business going well? Is this, do I want to keep doing this? Is this worth all of the effort? I think we saw some people drop off and then there were definitely people who still wanted to be doing it, but couldn't make ends meet for various reasons, but I think you're right. I think that the, um, that we saw that shift when things moved online and also you're right. Yoga studios need to treat their employees well, or there's teachers, however they hire them. (laughs) Otherwise they could just start their own studio online, which that is kind of where my heart is. Like, even when I worked for any studio, I was pretty independent. Like, this is what, this is what I charge. I worked as an independent contractor, but they were like, well, no other teacher in our area charges that much. And I was like, do you want me or not? (laughs) (laughs) Same, same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've said that a couple of times. Somebody said if virtual was a thing when I was still an independent contractor teacher, would you have started a studio? And part of me is like, I wanted to play the game of seeing if a different model than the one that was in my area would work. But honestly and truthfully, hell no, I would have been online in 2016 and never looked back. I would have totally worked on building my business if it would have been, and there absolutely were teachers, you know, Sadie Nardini was online with her membership super early, you know, all of those early adopters of like the virtual platforms that have done really well throughout COVID. Like if it would have been more in the common lexicon, if I would have known that that was even an option for me, because I think at the time I had no idea that that was how we were going to work. Yeah. I wonder how those teachers are doing. Like, I wonder how, how the big uh, yoga names who had online platforms, if they felt that impact of like other people really moving into that space who weren't there. That's a good question. Sadie Nardini, comment on it. Tell us. <laughs> well, okay, Rebecca, I will. <laughs> Hi, this is Sadie. Um, I think that's a really good question and one that I had to ponder really seriously as like a million yoga teachers started coming online during the pandemic. And at first I was honestly a little bit like, get off my lawn. You know, I built this lawn. I was one of the first people here and now all y'all are running up on it. Get off my lawn. And then I quickly realized that the more the merrier and online is a wellness space now more and more because more of us got online because online is now more of a place to go for digital at-home wellness and yoga and fitness and all that stuff. So I think that we all rise together and I have noticed that the more this happens, the more I thrive and experience more abundance and I'm hoping that everyone else does too, but I think my only job now 
is to keep being me and keep rocking who I am and keep helping people in my own personal ways. And then there's more eyeballs to see me and everybody else and good because we're ultimately here to serve not only ourselves, but also the worldwide community. So that's happening and uh, hope that helps. <laughs> I'll see you on the next podcast, sisters. Um. And I took, I was lucky enough to take a workshop with her where she was talking about marketing online. And she had said she was one of the very first yoga teachers, if not the first yoga teacher on YouTube to have YouTube videos. And she's like, just by dumb luck, I, you know, put my video up there, but that was so long ago. So she's had so long to like build that business. Right. And our runway is very short in virtual versus her runway was quite a bit longer <laughs> right, to, right. to have a really robust business. I think the other thing that this highlights, if you're, if you've moved to virtual is more than ever, it's important to know your niche because you can speak to, let's say your niche is like, I don't know, I teach yoga to educational assistants in schools who are super stressed out because the job has changed or something like it's so specific. Yeah. In your own community, you might only know a few people that fit that, but around the world, you would have such an opportunity to meet those people. So more than ever, I think that's, uh, it makes more room. And like you said, it takes out the competitiveness, um, or that can be there, but then it's not as much there when we move online. I will say the competitiveness, let's talk about that for 2022. Do you feel like it's different than it was? In my local community, it for sure is. And part of that, I think, is because a lot of the mainstays, because we were like everybody else, 40 to 60% of our studios closed during COVID. And now the ones that are left, a lot of them are newer, you know, and all of a sudden I can make friends. Like I could call another studio owner up and say, Hey, do you want to go to for coffee? And they're not competitive. They're just like, Oh my gosh, finally someone who gets what my job is. <laughs> yeah. It, it feels like it's changed a bit. And I had a moment of my local community. One of our mainstay studios was sold to somebody else. And I had a moment where I just paused and went, Oh, this industry really is shifting these like pillar businesses that had been around for so long so few of them were left but it also meant all of a sudden people were nicer people were playing playing nice and that felt really cool i think you're right overall from what i've seen i'm sure there are still stories out there of people not oh, yeah. feeling the warm fuzzies from yoga teachers, which does happen. People are always so shocked that that exists. And I think yes. you're right. Like I saw studios close down. The only thing I would add to that is there was some news that just came out. I think it was today or yesterday that more people across all ages, all genders are spending more time alone. And I do think that that is something I've seen with yoga teachers. I don't see them getting together as much. I'm just as guilty I've been trying to get together with this one yoga teacher since like, I think it was 2020. We started messaging back and forth. She was new to the area, heard about me. I love to connect with people and we still have not gotten together. It's like, oh, my kids are sick. Oh, I'm sick. Oh, we're, you know, now we're in lockdown. Now we're focused on online school. Like so much has 
I don't know if that's the way everyone is feeling of like why they haven't gone out and done the things of that <laughs> getting together. But I was thinking, how can I be more connected with my local community of yoga teachers? How can we do some things together now that, yeah, that, that would be, I think you're right about the competitiveness being taken out of it, but I also think we're, we're not really getting together as much as we were before. Call to action number two, listeners, in your local community, go create a meetup. Like everybody pick some place that's not a yoga studio because yoga studios are inherently not neutral spaces. It is whoever owns its space, right? Pick somewhere else to go, text every yoga teacher you know, have them text every yoga teacher they know, like go take a walk at a park, go get coffee at a, at a place and talk about what it's like, share stories. I think that makes our industry more powerful and more impactful overall when we're able to share stories with each other. I don't know how you feel about that, Shannon, but like 2023 is gonna be the year we get together. That is a great action item. I was just looking uh, at our local museum and I saw that they rent space there for gatherings. Like, I don't know how much it is, but that's a great idea to even go walking in a park. Maybe you want to share a meal together. And I totally agree. Take it out of the yoga studio because automatically it creates the, like, the teachers who teach in that studio. It's more their territory. The people coming in don't relate. Like, it, it, if you meet at a park and everyone is doing something that isn't about taking a yoga class or doing yoga together, I think that's really smart. Yeah. I'm going to have to add that to my own action item list <laughs> for 2023. Well, and I think, again, the more that we can all connect with each other, the better off and more stable we are as an industry. Like impactful change doesn't happen when one person emails the Yoga Alliance. Impactful change happens when a whole group of people get together and decide that how things work isn't working for them. And they take action as a collective. Like if it's one person, you're shouting into the void. Trust me, because forever, it felt like I was the one person shouting into the void about how no, there's no leadership in our industry. But it feels so much better when there are other people who you can talk to about it. I, I think our industry is lonely one. It is, you know, um, I make maple syrup. Maybe you don't know this. I make maple syrup with my dad <laughs> and my son. And we, I started doing this last year. We're already making plans for the spring and doing it again. And we were meeting with our cousin who should be our competitor. Shout out to cousin Rick. And we were talking <laughs> about like, someone was saying, okay, you sell syrup to him and then he sells to someone else. And then they sell it to the store. Like, wait a second. And we were just like, no, this is how it works. Cause we help each other out when our syrup production is low or whatever. And he said, you know, that's, that's, that's always the way it's been with syrup producers. Like someone stopped over and they're like, oh, I don't have this part and I really need to put it together. It is most people on the planet don't know what it's like to make maple syrup. But once you can talk yeah. to someone else who does, and it's the same with yoga teachers. Yes. You know, you can, you can tell people, oh yeah, here's the five comments I got when I introduced myself as a yoga teacher this week. Like what were your five? Cause it's. What are your five? High <laughs> five. Oh, you must be so flexible. Or you just oh. get the raised eyes from some creepy man. Oh, you're a yoga teacher. Oh, I hate that one. 
I had a guy at the farmer's market this summer, look at me. And I was with my 14 year old kid at the time, which makes this so much worse, right? Where he was like, and you know, when people are saying something a little bit nasty and they preface it by telling you that it's going to be something inappropriate. They're like, right. Well, you know, you might think I'm a creep for saying this, but, and I'm usually very quick to be like, but you shouldn't finish that sentence, my dude, (laughs) but he was faster than I was. And he's like, so I hear that sometimes when you bend over those yoga pants are see-through. Ah, this isn't something. This isn't helping in any way. No. You know what I said to him, though, in front of my 14-year-old son? I was like, so what you're telling me is you're trying to see my vagina if I bend over? (laughs) What did he do then? Oh, he left. (laughs) He was a musician, and he was trying to see if he could play near our stand, and we were trying to get him to go away. And I was like, I'm just going to say the word vagina until he goes away. That usually works with guys. Yes. And my son was just like, damn it, mom. (laughs) (laughs) Why you always got to make it weird? (laughs) Someday he'll really appreciate that. Because he's not going to start a sentence with like, I'm, this might sound creepy, but no, no. no. he will know the consequence of that. Yes. No, that's the thing. Like you can talk about things like that with yoga teachers and, you know, maybe if you don't have yoga teachers in your area, you can do this online. Like there's lots of pick a good one, pick a good Facebook group. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. Cause there's somewhere you you'll just be attacked in there, but yeah. Facebook groups as well, where you can just kind of vent away about what it's like to run a studio or be a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point to not only creating a local community of people to talk to, but having that national or international community of people that you can talk to about their experiences teaching yoga. Shannon, you run a great group. The Connected Yoga Teacher Group is a really, really great, well-moderated group because I feel like you and I have talked about this before, like some of those groups in the past that were just like, I mean, it was like feral cats the whole time. Everybody was so angry. Like the asshole things that were said in some of those Facebook groups, 2016, 17, 18, when everybody was kind of like having this big industry catharsis of going, People are getting injured. There's a lot of sexual abuse going on. And we all wanted to talk about it, but everybody was kind of a dick about it. <laughs> like, yes. like, or they were just like on the defense right away. And yeah. I also like watch for that. And we've had people join our group and say, oh my gosh, right away, someone sold to me or, oh my gosh, someone uh, attacked me when I wrote this thing. And we, tr- we do our best to moderate. And then and we also want to let the conversations happen. We want to let the uncomfortable moments be there, but in a respectful way. Like, and there, there are, yeah, there's lots. So I would say, like, take a look at the culture of the group when you get in there, just kind of yeah. see how it's going. And I want to say that now we're at 12,000 worldwide yoga teachers in our connected yoga teacher group. And the group will let us know now. Like we've moderated really hard for a while and it got easier. Like it's like, oh, this isn't allowed. This person's selling to me. This, you know, yeah. Um, That's really useful too. I think if the group gets big enough that they're able to moderate moderate themselves a little bit more, because I mean, yes. And I've been in groups where it's a free for all. I appreciate groups. I've also been in groups where divergent opinions were not appreciated 
And I enjoy being in a group where, I mean, I am typically the divergent opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Typically the one who's like, no, that's dumb. (laughs) But I appreciate being in groups where you can have robust discussions. And I also feel like those experiences can happen online and it makes you feel less alone. Let's not feel alone in 2023. Let's find communities, both virtually and in person. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I think that's a good call to action item. Yeah. Oh, also, if anybody's running a Facebook group, I mean, the other thing we switched to doing is we do not just let posts go in. We review every single post because we don't want someone selling sunglasses or telling us what we can or can't eat or what religion we should be like. We're very, we don't want um, the crap going in. It was, I can't believe that we even hesitated to make that decision. Used to just be a free for all. We'd yeah. wait until the post went in and then the reaction, then we'd be, no, we don't do that. We just, we look at it and we'll let people know. We'll say, you know, I know your question is about essential oils. Just so you know, we have had some real blowups in the past about <laughs> essential oil posts. <laughs> Get ready. Do you want to still post it? Maybe you want to say it like this. Maybe you want to look at a post that blew up. Yeah. That's really, I, I hadn't even, I haven't seen the essential oils posts, but yeah, that goes back to that, like nutrition advice and diet culture advice and medical advice in general. Let's also in 2023, stop giving people medical advice. We are not qualified to give them. And medical advice includes all things about how you move your body, what you put in your body, what you put on your body, what you're smelling with the noses that are on our bodies. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's very true. Um, What works for one person, like make your own personal decisions about those things based on hopefully some (laughs) science and, um, and the advice of your healthcare professionals. And then yeah, let's leave other people alone. And it's so tempting as yoga teachers, and I do this, I think, well, this flow really helped me. Um, I, I watch that line a lot. So I think that's something we can yeah. all learn to do better. It, Jeevana Heyman was leading a, the accessible yoga training, which I was really privileged to be able to take this year. And in that, he was saying, like, let's stop telling people what they have, you know, how to move when they have this certain pain or have that surgery. Like, let's just lead yoga. And that, honestly, that takes such pressure off of us. We don't have to yeah. know. We don't have to have x-ray vision or like any medical degree or know what's happening with people's bodies. Yeah, we can ask them how they're feeling or like what we can bring them questions that make them go more inward and think, oh, where am I feeling that in my body? Or do I like that or not? But leave all the rest up to the medical community or the PTs. It just makes our job easier, honestly. Yeah, no more yoga for that (laughs) yoga for insert like literally anything and everything yoga for your pinky toe on Tuesdays yoga for back pain yoga for hips yoga for noses yoga for tongues like yoga for weight loss yoga like no no more of that the yoga is enough that's what I want us to remember the yoga is enough all on its own it's true. Now I'm so curious when you say that, because as someone who has a podcast and has to find three to five words to title something, 
so often I'm like, well, I'm going to call this like yoga for hip pain, but then explain in the episode, like that brought you here. (laughs) But let me just tell you like here, it's not even hip pain that we're generally talking about. Let's get into that. So what do you think about that? What do you think about when we. The marketing of it. Yeah. It's the marketing. Yes. Yeah. I am all for unpacking as much of that marketing as we can. So earlier this year in March of 2022, I ran an in-person yoga conference through the nonprofit that I'm a part of, and it was to support people in their mental health. And everybody kept saying, we just need to call this yoga for mental health support. And I was like, so we can't say that because we just can't say that we're going to ask people here to share practices that support people's mental health and it's more words but it's also so much more inviting i think like if you're supporting hip movement or hip mobility or you're you know there's just this idea that yoga is this prescription that we are going to prescribe to people to fix a thing And I truly believe how we sell, how we market, you know, I mean, I've been on your podcast talking about this all the time. Like, I can't say it enough. Like how we sell what we're selling matters. Yes, it's very true. So if you go to a website and it's like yoga for hip pain, and then it has the five poses that you have to do if you have hip pain. Never smash, always pass. Right? Right? (laughs) Yeah. If you, if it's like yoga for sleep and then it explains like here are some of the, here are the, you know, the studies that show how yoga has helped people who have trouble sleeping or gets into the, it's nuanced. It is really nuanced. Yeah. Ooh, the yoga for sleep one, I think is a really good example too, because the minute, and and I do workshops to support people with their sleeping cycles Mm -hmm. and And that's one of the things that the minute times, the minute I do that, somebody's like, why don't you just call it yoga for sleep? And I was like, do you know how nuanced this is? Like, where is your trouble sleeping? Do you have trouble falling asleep? Do you have trouble staying asleep? What's your blood sugar? Like there's so many factors at play. You want me to just tell you, put your legs up the wall and this is all going to be fixed. It's not. (laughs) Right. Oh, I love this discussion so much because when I am trying to think of those quick titles for podcasts like oh no <laughs> it's really hard and I'll post it in the group and I'll say do you like this one or this one and then someone will come and they're like you know people ask me get more into it and then they come up with really good titles but they're too long to fit in my graphic <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna this is like an action item for me how can I how can I put that more nuanced conversation in there it's a good one Yeah, maybe I'm just going to title all the podcasts like Friends episodes. The one about how we didn't quit in 2022. That'll be this one. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes. So good. Did you think about quitting this year? Did you think about leaving? I did. I always think about leaving. I definitely thought about it this year. Let's see. I'm trying to think. Is there, has there been a year where I haven't thought about it? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe when I was a newer teacher, I was yep. like, didn't really think about it as much. But even as someone, like I have loved yoga, I feel like it's, it's why I can be so thankful for so many things in my life. I love talking to yoga teachers and still it can be super frustrating to like 
see the the cycle of things that can still happen. So yeah, I don't know. As a newer teacher, I think then I didn't think about leaving. You know, I think about leaving for different reasons and I'd love to hear what yours are. Like sometimes I think, what would it be like? I remember back to my job days where I like got to work at this time and left at this time and didn't think about it until the next time I was at work. I mean, that's really nice. But my family jokes that I just wouldn't, I'd be horrible and I'd get fired because I always. (laughs) Oh my God, same. I'm just not. (laughs) Same. Yeah. Not suited to take orders from other people. No, no. And I'm always like, it's, this could be improved by doing this. And like, not everyone wants to know that. And when they employ you to do something. No. Um, And I've thought about leaving just on, you know, on the tough days where you're like, frick, really? Like I have to think about these plugins and like all of a sudden the podcast isn't loading to this thing or, oh, guess what? You have to look for a new sponsor and like your whole team is depending on you. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much pressure, but, but I still stay. (laughs) What, what makes you feel like, hmm, should I quit this? The team thing is one that has got me this year and a little bit last year. I think for those listening who maybe don't know what it is to be the person who runs a team in whatever situation, whether it's Shannon and your team for your podcast and your pelvic professionals um, group, like it is something that nobody tells you what it is to be the person who is making sure that a team of humans has a job that is hard work and it is emotional work and it is like nobody warned you that you will stay up longer at night to make sure that they're fed than you ever would to make sure you were fed and sometimes like that alone has just been like oh man if I could just be me again (laughs) and like I love my team I have an amazing team I Like I had some staffing troubles earlier this year, but like by the end of this year, I will say like, I have a great team. I love everybody in their work. And it still is, feels like less of a burden when I think about just being me. Like, oh, maybe I'll just write a book. (laughs) And it's just me in a room. Then I'm the only person. I fully agree. Like the team that I have now everyone knows what they're doing and it's not like I'm managing people at all. It is that pressure of thinking if the bottom drops out of this for me, all of these people rely on this income, not fully. Like I am not at that point. Thank goodness. And that makes me feel better. But I've, I had to have a discussion with my team at one point just saying like, wow, (laughs) it's a big dip in our income. All of a sudden I need to get more creative. I need, and, and it's, the weight is on me then to bring in the, yes. the more income. Like they're doing their job. They're doing amazing work. I wish that I could pay them more for what they do. And it's up to them to raise their rates. I always tell them that because they're all contract <laughs> workers <laughs> um, for the podcast mainly and for public yeah. health professionals. But it is, um, yeah, it's an incredible amount of pressure. And I see online businesses hire people and then go back to working on their own. And I think that's probably why it's so for every time you want to throw shade at that yoga studio owner, who is, who is not, 
and and there are plenty of us we are accountable as studio owners to be paying our people fairly and to be making sure that we are creating a good culture within our studio that is on us but it is absolutely like a heart-wrenching thing if you're a good and ethical human being it is it is a heavy burden to carry the weight of employing other people especially employing other people in an industry where most people work for poverty wages we all want you to work for more i want to be able to pay you more like shannon said we all want you to work for way more money than we can afford to pay you and that's it's it's a heavy weight and sometimes like i have absolutely looked at my business and been like i'm going gray sooner because of this yeah i was at a dinner and someone was like oh we're looking for a host at our restaurant. I was like, so all I'd have to do is talk to people, take them to the <laughs> yeah. table and bring a menu. Huh. Like, I think I could handle that. But I, honestly, I, I probably would get really bored right away. Yeah. I toasted the hell out of that restaurant. <laughs> Maybe. Be, yeah, I would. I would. Maybe being an entrepreneur is like some kind of weird virus that people catch and you just can't shake it. I don't know. Let me ask you this. So this is something I've been thinking about a lot in 2022 as the discussion in the yoga industry has talked, we've talked a lot more about money and business and all of that. I think there's something unique to being an entrepreneur in yoga. And we need to talk about this a little bit too, is that yoga in itself is a spiritual discipline that asks you to reevaluate and rethink literally every fiber of your being. Guess what entrepreneurship is? It is also an activity <laughs> where you are requested to reevaluate everything about yourself and your thing, you know, what you think, what your values are, what your morals are in every scenario, always and forever. And I sometimes feel like I cannot get away from my own personal spiritual evolution. And sometimes I just want to show up not evolved. <laughs> like, right. I don't want to learn this freaking lesson. <laughs> you know what? That is something like when I talked about making maple syrup, I can go down there and there's like, these are the routine things that we do now for sure when you have time to like walk through the forest and check on the trees and how everything's doing, you definitely have time with yourself, but it is a different thing than, you know, okay, here's my, here's my marketing plan and my business and the way I've set this up. And now, oh, wow, look, when not enough people are signing up right away, look at what's happening inside me as an entrepreneur. Oh God, I, we, I think you're 100% right. Like yoga teachers are ready to look at their stuff but then entrepreneurs are forced to look at it like and all this an stuff episode. That, yeah oh, oh go ahead go ahead i was going to say we we're releasing an episode soon maybe it's next week yes um episode 301 it will be about like how we bring our trauma story from childhood into our business Ding! yeah Oh my God. I mean, the amount of stuff that I have had to unpack about my issues with money, like, and again, and again, and again, like I'm still like, I took on a syncopa for the end of 2022, again, diving deep into my own personal thoughts about money. And all of a sudden I'm just like, oh, I really need to think about my shame surrounding money 
and and I've unpacked a little bit of it, but there's a big bag left in the corner that I didn't really like see. <laughs> and I like sometimes I think about it going, this is not the life of ease in in either realm. Yoga as as a spiritual discipline is not easy. It's not asking us to take the easy road. It's asking us to reevaluate who we are at every step of our journey. Entrepreneurship also asks that of us. And sometimes I want to be like, screw everybody. <laughs> like, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat <laughs> chips and scroll TikTok. Thank you. <laughs> you. It's comforting to hear that from you because I know that you've done a lot of work with money mindset and running a business and you're yeah. not afraid to have those discussions. So that makes me feel better because it's I think it's there for all of us. I think if if there's an entrepreneur telling you, like, I have it all figured out with my own personal baggage, <laughs> the stuff stuck in the corner as well, and my money mindset, my business mindset, I think they're lying. No, they're about to con- they're about to close their shop. Is yeah. that's what they figured out? Like what they figured they're out is I'm it. done. Yeah. They're like, this is easy. Would you like to buy it? And then I'll leave. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> my neighbor next door and like i'm gesturing because shannon and i can see each other like i have a dog bakery slash grooming space next door and even she's just like oh i'm only so many years to retirement so that's how i can continue doing this like like it is never <laughs> like <laughs> we are always fantasizing about how we could like just have a desk job Okay, you just made a new question pop into my brain here. Do you ever think about building your business to sell it? Like there's a whole book wrote on this. You do. Yes, absolutely. In fact, a lot of what I have done in my business is even if I don't sell it or don't want to sell it, even if I decide to franchise it, for example, and we could talk about franchises in a minute because that's another something that's really popped into the world in 2022 is like how we've shifted into way more franchises than we used to have, but it's absolutely building a business to sell. I mean, someday I want to have an asset that could help me retire because I'm not paying into a 401k or some sort of retirement fund. And I live in the States and there's nothing for us. If you have no money saved, like you can assume that you will die on the streets. (laughs) Like there will be, nothing for us. So absolutely. I'm always thinking about how I can build for retirement, how I can build for the years when I don't want to be working as much as I'm working now. Yeah. And part of my plan is to have a business that I could sell. Right. I just saw an online business owner, um, who I feel really built his business around him and his personality. Uh, he helped people with Instagram, um, it's not a secret because he posted online. It's Ty- Tyler J. McCall. We even had him on the podcast long ago, um, but he doesn't do that anymore. He took a break. You know, a lot of people were like, that's it. Yeah. I need a break. And then I just saw recently, he's like, I'm going to sell, going to sell the business, which is really interesting to me. But when I saw that, I was like, could I do that? I mean, the controlling side of me is like, no, it must always be mine. But I'd like to think that I could, you know, pass it over and continue, like have the benefits continue yeah. uh, at some point. So I wonder if yoga teachers think about that as well. And for me, part of, I, I think about like the business side of things and I run sort of two distinct businesses, right? So I run my studio, Sunlight Yoga and Apothecary that also has a virtual studio 
that is a business, but I also think like my podcast and like these conversations that I get to have with super cool yoga professionals and the writing I do about the industry, that's my legacy project. That's my thought leadership that I want to leave the world with. Like, I, I don't want to leave the world having not said what I had to say. So, so I, I think about it in two ways. One, like my business, like my physical space in my virtual studio, that's a business I could tell, sell to somebody else for money so that I could retire. But then there's also this, if you have something to say, if you have a message to tell people, like like you're, you have a, something to say, it's how you started a podcast. Like that's also your thought leadership. For me, it would be a lot harder to let go of my thought leadership Right. piece of my business than it is for me to let go of like, I mean, if I create enough systems in my studio, the theory is anybody could do it, right? <laughs> yes. Here's the manual. This is how it goes. Yeah. yeah. And I would say to yoga teachers, like, I love to look at my business so that I can kind of show up on certain days as an employee or there's this list. These are the things that need to be done today. And yeah, i super lucky to have an amazing team that helps with that list. But if I need to, I can also show up and just be like, here are the things I'm just yeah. working away. <laughs> yeah. Do you think of your podcast like thought leadership? Cause I mean, I listen to your podcast. I think of it as your thought leadership within the industry. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I, like if the question is, could, if the question is, is it thought leadership and could I not pass it over and it be the same thing? I think I, I think at some point it could be, you know, but definitely. I talked about this in episode 300. I feel like my magic piece of having a podcast is that I want to get guests on and then listen as much as possible. Like you and I are having a back and forth conversation because we know each other in a really cool way. And People who follow both of us will be like, oh, I want to hear what their thoughts are, especially when it has to do with the yoga industry. This is a bit different. But let's say I invited a guest on to talk about like the nervous system and I really wanted to geek out, but I kept interjecting with like all of my stories, some of them not even related to the nervous system. I listen to podcasts like that, some of them for the entertainment value. But that's my goal is to provide the space where I'm listening and learning right along with our listeners uh, for a lot of our episodes. I do solo episodes as well. But in terms of the pelvic health professional side of things, that has a more, um, eventually it could be other people doing that, other yeah. pelvic health professionals leading those things. Cause it's, it's really led by member questions and we hire experts and yeah, it would be easier to pass that over and build it up to. So if anybody wants to pay Rebecca and I to get out of this, <laughs> we're ready along the way. You just have to hit us on the right day. <laughs> it's true. If you talked to me last Wednesday, it could have been yeah. yours. <laughs> For the low, low price of $19.95. Yeah. Um, for studios that decide to get out of it and sell it, what's interesting is one studio um, approached me, this is years ago, like over 10 years ago, and said, do you want to purchase our business? But it wasn't a building. All it was was their student list. And I thought, you know what? These people already follow me. Like, if you are a studio and you're building to sell, you better um, 
just consider, is this worth like the price tag on that was $10,000. And I was like, what? I'm not paying that. I can do my own thing for that. Yeah. I used to work at a studio that actually the owner had said I was like, when she left, when she retired, she wanted me to be the person who, who took over the studio from her. And that was, you know, our agreement for years was that was what was going to happen. And at one point, somebody from a business side of things who was not in yoga, but what, who's in business was like, what asset would you be buying? Exactly. This teacher taught 22 of the 35 classes per week at the studio the students that were there were her students and when she left very likely they would leave so then what what have you purchased like you have to have systems in place you have to have like a culture in place you have to have things in place so that if i left my members would feel comfortable with whoever walked in there because that person would know what was happening that would be what this business was about like not only and it's funny because this the the place i used to work at didn't run a membership model right so it was just like drop-in cards so essentially you buy a business but then you would already be out money because you'd still owe those members those punch cards like the insanity of that and just I know so many studios now that they're just like, well, my quote unquote retirement plan is just to close my doors. Right. I think that's another action item. If our, if people who are listening are thinking like, what is my retirement plan? I don't care if it's, you know, you're going to invest in something completely different. Like yoga teachers need to be considering their retirement plan. Yes. A lot of them are, a lot of them are women. Um, 85%. Yeah. And of, would you say, what do you think the age is of those yoga teachers? That's a good question. Um, I think maybe, I think we age out of this industry pretty rapidly. I think we see a lot of younger people come into the industry and then become really jaded after being here for a while and then take it's it's true though i mean we're driving our talent out of our industry we're driving our most passionate talented and skilled individuals out of the industry because we have not decided to provide a career path as an industry yeah like the career path is potentially opening a yoga studio Mm -hmm. or becoming a trainer yeah like which is you know and i've talked about this in the past it's like a snake eating its tail right so like so if you take enough mini trainings from somebody else that you feel like you're qualified quote unquote qualified to do a training so that you can then take money from the industry in the industry from other teachers to do it's like like none of the money ever leaves the industry it's just us paying each other over and over again which doesn't make any sense it's not sustainable. Eventually yeah. you're going to run out of people to sell your, you know, like sacred goddess certification to, or your like, you know, my hips move this way certification or, you know, the moon lunar toe certification, whatever certification you're selling, like all you are is taking money from people who are already making poverty wages and telling them that your certification will make them better at a job that doesn't really exist. <laughs> like, Well, on that positive note, you and I will both be quitting next week. 
but, but I, I don't think like I think we need to name that so we can do better than that yes. it's true it's true like true. I, know. I saw a whole community like every student who considered yoga teacher training became a yoga teacher and flooded the community yeah I was and part then, of it who are they <laughs> teaching the snake <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It can't be, and I say this very reluctantly starting the first time in 20 years I've been teaching in 2023, my studio will run what I'm calling an introductory yoga teacher training program. So what we would typically say would be a 200. And essentially it was like six people asked me in a week if I would train. And I have notoriously always said, no, I have always said, hell no, I'm not going to be part of that problem. And then I realized that it is just me exerting privilege to say that I am unwilling to be part of the solution by saying that I'm not going to be part of the problem. Because, I mean, it's a bunch of people being like, oh, yeah, this is a problem. This is a problem, but not offering a new way of doing things. Right. So I'm right. going to see if I can. That's the game, right? That's my game is to see if I can find a way to build a studio that doesn't require me to train, but only trains when I, I only train when I want to. Right. That the training isn't part of the model. Then it becomes a different sort of program. We have a studentship program here too. And anybody listening who, like, I want you to steal this idea from me. I wish that every studio had studentship programs because for all y'all who are just like, Oh, I just want to learn more. And your only option is to send them to a 200 hour teacher training program for $2,700 or more. Like my studentship program is $400. It is six weeks and it is exactly what people want. It is just people dipping their toe into the deeper understanding of yoga. I get to talk about the philosophy and the pranayam and the meditation and all the stuff we don't get to talk about in a one hour studio class i talk about it for six weeks a couple hours at a time and from there they can decide is this something that i want to teach but i don't have to teach people how to teach in that program i just teach them how to be students it's way more fun Brilliant, because many <laughs> people take a yoga teacher train they're like i don't want to do any of the teaching part and if you don't run a teacher training, like everyone's going to teach, you're doing a disservice. So that's yes. brilliant. I hope everyone thinking about running a teacher training does what you're doing. Like really, if you know what you're doing, please know what you're doing before you run a yes. teacher training. <laughs> yes. It's not a revenue stream. It is a service no. to the industry. Like yes. that's where it's got to be different. If you're going to train teachers, you're doing that as a service to the industry as a whole. So this is this could be tricky and my team is going to hold me accountable on this i believe very strongly that you cannot ethically employ the people who you've trained as yoga teachers for a year i think that it becomes too messy if somebody is accountable to you as your student and as your employee because how are they going to advocate for better working conditions against the person who is their sacred teacher that is two so good. Oh my gosh. Let me know how that goes. I, I will. <laughs> That's another thing that like has made me want to quit the yoga industry is the weird part power dynamics. It's that weird. Set up. Yep. So Ooh, my intention 
is to say, if you want to train here, great, but you can't teach here for a year, go teach somewhere else, go learn what it is to be a teacher in the industry, and then come back here when it feels less like I am your sacred teacher, because I will have to be your employer. Like, right. The person who delivered for you like a transformational spiritual experience also you're going to be like look you treat me crappy right like the amount of and i know you've seen this too shannon the amount of broken-hearted people who have yeah. had that experience who've gone into the studio and been like this is not what i thought it was yes well i've been i've experienced it as the student working for yes. my teacher some who were brilliant at doing that because they they have a really strong personal practice or just like way of being in the world. And then some that were like, I'm in a yoga cult now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, and why do I have to come 90 minutes early and sweep the floors for free? And like, why do I have to get your tea and all these things? Totally. But how are you supposed to advocate for it? And that's workers' rights. That's not like, spiritual teachers things like if you're paying somebody to work for you they're your employee that's an employer employee dynamic not a teacher student dynamic that dynamic yeah. is different and we have to like i say a lot of things that are controversial like a lot a lot <laughs> like a lot <laughs> but, <laughs> but this is the thing that like the minute i say i say that like good very conscientious yoga people are like you want us to do what we only hire people from our teacher training program we yeah. only have teachers at our studio who are people we trained because they're trained in the way we want them to be right i can definitely see the merit behind that i've just seen the fallout of what actually happens in that i, I know because i'm like the one who's whispering but that's messed up <laughs> Right. Cause we've seen it. We've been in it enough and seen it. it. It makes sense on paper, but that's not what's happening in real life. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Starbucks, like Starbucks is also like, yes, they're training people how to make a Starbucks coffee. Right. Sure. But they're not relying on them for a personal transformation. Maybe. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No. <laughs> no. They haven't come there because they're like, my marriage is falling apart. My life is blowing up. I heard that this coffee is going to really yes. Also, I had a really traumatic childhood and I hate my mother. <laughs> and this coffee is going to be the answer. And then yeah. I will make this coffee for everyone else. Oh my gosh. It's so true. It's, it's just a, it's a tricky thing, but I feel, do you feel like in 20, I feel like we are now at a place where this conversation can be had like five years ago. I could not have this conversation. Nobody would want to hear it. That's because five years, oh, maybe I was out then. Maybe I was, I was out of the yoga cult, but yeah, I was too far in it. I was, I couldn't even see, I I felt it. I felt like it, something's really wrong with this, but yeah. I couldn't, uh, couldn't see it in the same way. And I would say like, if people are listening to this and you're feeling like, oh, they're really pushing my edges or that's what I do. Or I feel attacked in this. Let us know, like totally nuance to this conversation. Maybe you figured out how to do it and we haven't, but. Yeah, write me a yeah. handout. <laughs> I will come. I will implement it in my studio. <laughs> I have seen handouts in the yoga space for wilder things. Like yep. I had a teacher who handed me a handout for healing people energetically from across the room. 
And like, I remember taking this training and just being like, so hungry, like, oh my God, is this a thing we could do? Like, this must be super complicated. And it was like a one page handout, step one, step two, step, like, the, it's right. cannot be weirder than that. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So Shannon, tell me what you're excited about for 2023. Let's end there. What are you hopeful about? I think that that thread of like what I said is really holding me right now. So a couple of things I always, I end the year and it, it starts in November. I start looking at where do I want to be for 2023 personally? That makes me excited. I mean, I nerd out about the new year. It's not, it doesn't have to be around January, but it does bring me some energy. And two things are really on my mind. And these are very personal, so people can take them or leave them. But this is keeping me excited about things. One, I want to really remember like the benefits that yoga gives me. And that also means like when I fall away from my practice, just coming back to it with less judgment and less shame about it. Okay. Just, yep. You didn't do your practice every freaking day. Like you said, you would, <laughs> but just come back to it because it sustains me. It holds me. And two, I can't believe I'm sharing this here. Um, two is like to be looking at the pattern that I've built in my being of sometimes focusing on, and I wouldn't say I do this on the podcast, but I'd like to focus less on talking about people and instead talk about ideas and like what helps us like lots of ideas. I'd rather be focused instead of like, look at this person over here. They're doing this terrible thing. That's an easy pattern to get into, to be bashing people, not just in the yoga world. You could be talking about, you know, we all have that relative where you're like, oh my gosh, this person is such a pain. Why do we have to get together with them at like Thanksgiving or holidays? Like we could be really focused on talking about them and we're we're kind of like losing time. This is for myself. I've just noticed it. Um, I've noticed that I, I kind of pick up on that when other people are doing it. Like, is this beneficial when I'm listening to this person complain away about someone else? Okay. How could I look at that for myself? Thanks yoga. Thanks <laughs> yoga for making me super aware of like what my, what my habits are. Um, also, what makes me excited is talking to yoga teachers who see the problem, like they see a problem, and then they decide, how can I create something that addresses that problem without taking someone else down, without taking another yes. tradition of yoga down, but instead, like, let's say you, you, let's say we talked about how problematic diet culture is, instead of like calling out seven people who are sharing diet culture everywhere in the yoga world. We create podcasts. Here's a podcast on educating ourselves around diet culture, how to get this out of yoga collectively. Yeah. So that excites me. That keeps me going. What about you? I am excited for enough of us to be interested in the industry side of things for us to build something different. Like for so long, I think very few people were interested in 
how we work. Like, and I mean, okay, so right, this podcast is literally called Working in Yoga, and I can nerd out about how we work for a really long time. But it's exciting to hear other people also want to talk about how we work, the industry that we work in, because, you know, in 2021, I was like, look, we are burnt to the nails. And I still think for the most part, we didn't even cover franchises. Maybe 2023, we'll talk about franchises. <laughs> but like the idea that we could collectively build something different, we could choose to work differently. We could choose to build a model, an industry that actually sustains and nourishes us the way our yoga practices sustain and nourish us. Like, I want that divide to be less this idea that yoga is nourishing and it sustains us but the industry itself is wicked and evil and we just have to we have to endure it like what if we built an industry that was a mirror of the yoga what if we built an industry that was nourishing us and pushing us in really great positive ways to work to our best capacity to share yoga to our best capacity just the way our practices do like that seems cool as shit to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Where do I sign up? Can someone else do all the work to put it together? (laughs) I feel like there's enough of us now. We (laughs) like, it's probably like four hours a week. If we get a couple hundred of us going. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I, I was just joking. Well, I was kind of half joking. Like it feels tired. Like sometimes I can't see that, Like, like that vision to me, sounds like how can we make that happen and also there's a sense of overwhelm like yeah maybe you just hit me on a day where I'm like how could (laughs) it was someone from yoga alliance who's no longer there and he made this analogy of like if you have a giant ship like the titanic (laughs) maybe the titanic's a bad ship to choose but it takes a while to turn it some different direction hopefully you don't hit an iceberg and you all go down (laughs) I mean, also, we could buy tickets to a different ship. Yeah, see, that's the thing that you're, that's what, it almost feels like my brain can't even, and that's probably what we need. We've built such an industry where we almost feel stuck in this cycle that I don't even know what that looks like to not be in it. Yeah, I think, I mean, the Yoga Alliance is a really good example. And and I used to, for a long time, throw a lot of shade their direction. And I do still on occasion, but I think they are now the organization that they have to be based on what we are asking them to be. And we're asking them to be mom. And that's not fair to them as an organization either. I Like I said, I, I am involved in a nonprofit as well. And like, it's difficult to mom a bunch of moody preteens, which is like what we are like, like, and we've asked them to do that. We've given them this task that is impossible to do. Right. And now we're just really mad that they can't do it. Well, <laughs> like a teenager. Yeah. Like, okay. Like, instead of being like hey maybe we could build something different that doesn't mean that they don't exist because i don't think that's realistic of course they will exist they you know their bank holds tens of millions of dollars of our money and our dues and fees where that's never just going to go away but could we build something different with them could that's 
I think now more than ever, that's a conversation that people are ready to have. I think that's a good conversation to have. I'm curious, like if people have ideas, I want to hear them. Yeah. Let's hold a roundtable discussion, Shannon. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> 2023. <laughs> Sign me up. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Honestly, just because I get to talk to you. <laughs> I am here for it. Like we got to meet in person this year yes, and hang out and have some meals together and really like ruffle some feathers in some places. That's what we both like to do. It's true. That's, that's really true. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm here for it. I, I'm, I really appreciate your podcast and the work that you do and for inviting me to chat about this. So it's, it's a real honor. Right back at you. Thank you so much. Thank oh my you. gosh, you all, wasn't that amazing? Thank you so much, Shannon, for coming on. Shannon and I have another co-podcast coming up soon with none other than the amazing Sadie Nardini. We get to ask Sadie all sorts of questions, and I it is just so much fun. I can't even express to you how much fun I had with that. Um, I want to make sure that you're on the listen for a couple more episodes coming up before 2023. And one is with my friend Osiris Bouquet, who runs an organization called Flow for Black Lives out of L.A. And another is with my friend Tanya, who I referenced in this past podcast. Tanya is a spiritual leader, and I think you all are just going to love my conversation with Tanya. So watch out for those. And finally, if you're interested in my virtual retreat and interested in seeing how a virtual retreat could possibly work for you, don't hesitate to check out the show notes or my studio's website, www.thesunlightexperience.com. Thank you all so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.